Finding a service solution that helps you keep customers happy can feel impossible. Just like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at a networking event. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help, with the service solution part at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, with an AI-powered help desk and chatbot to handle your frontline tickets, so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Howdy, folks. It is Tuesday, May 3rd. I'm Jacob Cohen here with Mark Dent, and you are listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking about a major strike going down in Hollywood. The last time the Writers Guild went on strike was in 2007 and 2008, and that time lasted for a hundred days and the economic impact of that strike on the Hollywood economy, well, according to Reuters, that was $2.1 billion. We'll get more into this in a bit, but first let's talk about what else is going on in the world of business and tech. Let's get crackalackin'. Okay, first things first, Uber reported $8.8 billion in revenue in Q1, up 29% year over year and a 24% year over year increase in trips. The rideshare giant's business is looking far better than Lyft lately, which announced that it was laying off 26% of its staff just last month. Uber actually projects it will achieve operating income profitability at the end of this year. Downsides to this? Maybe for its drivers. With more people interested in picking up extra income, according to Reuters, Uber has offered lower incentives. On to AI and weddings, actually, believe it or not. Artificial intelligence is starting to make inroads into the biggest day of your life. The wedding website Joy has added ChatGPT to help people create speeches, thank you cards, and names for signature cocktails. Wow, we are getting quite lazy, it seems. Also in existence, a tool called ToastWiz. All you have to do is share a few personal details about a couple, pay 30 bucks, and it spits out three speech options for you in a matter of minutes. How about that? Very meaningful stuff. Moving along, in fast food, apparently all those really catchy Kind of annoying Burger King commercials worked. Parent company restaurant Brands International reported double-digit sales growth at Burger King, as well as at Tim Hortons. Popeyes and Firehouse Subs also saw growth as well. Meanwhile, Apple Safari reclaimed its runner-up spot on the list of most used desktop web browsers, narrowly topping Microsoft Edge. Both are used by about 11% of global users, but have a long, long way to go to knock Google Chrome and its 66% market share off its perch. And last but not least, just as we were wrapping our head around Tesla's price cuts in yesterday's podcast, Ford announced cuts to its electric Mustang Mach-E. The Mach-E will cost around $3,000 less, depending on the model. This wasn't just an answer to Tesla. By the way, Q1 sales of the Mach-E were down 20% year over year, so they're looking to amp up the growth there. All right, and with that, let's get to today's main story. Okay, so just after midnight on Tuesday morning, the Writers Guild of America approved a strike after negotiations failed with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Now, That means some 11,500 people who write shows and movies will not be working. The last time the Writers Guild went on strike was in 2007 and 2008, and that time it lasted for 100 days, and the economic impact of that strike on the Hollywood economy, according to Reuters, was $2.1 billion. 
dollars. So, Mark, why don't you run through the basics of just what this strike means, why it happened? Yeah, so there's really a very simple explanation for this, the streaming economy. Mm. Everybody watches streaming now, not like in 2007, 2008, when everybody was still linear TV, maybe you had TiVo or something like that. So streaming has meant that there's more content and more jobs for writers than there has ever been. It also means that production costs are actually higher. There's greater investments into shows than there really has ever been. All that said, the security and compensation for writers is not what it was even 15 or 20 years ago. According to Vox, the average pay for writers has actually declined 4% in the last 10 years. And then when you consider inflation, that seems like an even lower number. The median wage for somebody who works on a streaming show is about 46% of the median wage of someone working on a broadcast show. Wow. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of interesting because, as I was saying earlier, there's a huge investments in, in streaming content. So why is it that they're making less? There's a couple of fundamental ways, obviously, that streaming is different than linear TV. One of those, of course, is fewer episodes. The seasons of House of Cards, which is one of the big first streaming only shows, there's you know maybe 10 per season. Sometimes you might get 12. Sometimes it's only seven or eight. Yeah. <laughs> Back in network TV heyday, you'd have like 24 episodes of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> yeah. or Dawson's Creek or, or whatever. And like 12 seasons. <laughs> yes. And, and it would go on for a long time. Now you might get three or four seasons and then Netflix usually cuts the cord. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those seasons are spread out. There's not like the same rhythm as there used to be the September to May kind of season. And so that's really thrown things into flux. Another thing that's really thrown things into flux are residuals. Mm. And they were actually an issue back in 07, 08. So residuals, they can again be fairly complicated, but a good way to think about it is that anytime that something airs on television, the person who had any involvement in writing it gets a little bit of money, sometimes a lot of money, depending on who they are. And when you had like, for instance, a show like Friends, which was, you know, mega successful, but but even like lesser shows, they air obviously for a first time and then they'll do reruns on the same network. And then oftentimes they'll be syndicated and they may air dozens to hundreds of more times in a span of years. And you get a little bit of coin every time that happens. Now on streamers, writers still get residuals, but they don't get as much. And it was a huge crux of their negotiations in 07, 08. And the writers, obviously, they ended up accepting a contract, but it wasn't what they wanted for residuals. And so that has continued to plague them, especially as streaming has gotten a lot more popular. Yeah, so I'm sure we're hearing a lot from the perspective of the writers in this whole situation. If you go online, I'm sure they're very vocal. But what are we hearing from the other side? Are the execs saying anything? Are the companies saying anything? Yeah, the major media companies have an interesting position and they have pointed out correctly that they're under a lot of pressure right now. They are largely publicly traded companies. Netflix, for instance, Warner Brothers, Discovery, Disney. These are all massive, massive companies and they've all not been doing all that well. Netflix's stock is about half of what it was at its peak of 2021. And it's actually gone up this year by a decent amount, but it's still kind of low. And Netflix was profitable last year, but basically none of the other streamers were. Disney, not profitable in its streaming business. Warner Brothers Discovery, not profitable, etc. And not only that, experts believe that we're talking three, four years if everything goes well. Yeah. <laughs> those companies might become profitable at streaming. 
So having to start paying riders more money and make a lot of changes is just something that these companies don't feel like they can do. Of course, their excuse for that, though, is, well, that's just what our investors are telling us. So it all kind of comes down to like investors and the stock market and everything else. And even though they have been investing a lot in this content, they just have not been doing it in riders. So, uh, I mean, both sides really have compelling arguments that they're making here. They do. They do. But practically speaking, what is this going to look like? Like, am I going to turn on the TV and nothing's going to be playing? Yeah, I mean, kind of. (laughs) If if you still turn on your TV, there will be no Jimmy Kimmel. There will be no Jimmy Fallon. There will be no Steve Colbert. Wow. Late night is gone, probably for the foreseeable future. Maybe for the best. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't watch all of them all that much. But for people who still watch linear TV, it's going to look a little bit different. Saturday Night Live, which I watch basically every week, they will not have any more episodes of that until this writer strike is resolved or until there's some other resolutions, maybe with their own writers, but that is unlikely to happen. So there will be no Saturday Night Live. Sitcoms that appear on network TV, a lot of those, the writing has probably already been done for the ends of this season, so there wouldn't be a huge difference. But you know they are already working on the seasons that start in the fall, and so those will be postponed, at least work on them. And so who knows what could happen in the long run with those. Now for Netflix, for HBO Max, for people who really just watch streaming, they probably won't notice that much of a difference, at least at first. Ted Sarandos, CEO of Netflix, earlier this year, everybody thought that this strike might be coming. There was a good chance of it, of course. And he said, we do not want this, but we think we're in a good position. Mm -hmm. They have just lots of movies and TV shows on there. So they will probably be fine. And and they'll probably be the most fine of all the companies just because of the amount of content they've produced already. But that said, remember, 100 days, that's a long time. And that's how long it lasted 15 years ago. And so in the coming months, maybe even weeks, then I, I think we will start to see a difference on Netflix and other streamers. There will be probably less new content. The shows mm-hmm. that are out there probably won't be very good. I'll bring up some of the things that happened in 0708 that some people may forget. Friday Night Lights was an extremely popular show at that time. And its second season was out. And the second season of it just ended like after episode 15 and it made no sense. And they just had to start (laughs) season three with season two making no sense. And that just happened all over the place to TV shows. And we saw a rise of reality television because that's what networks were able to still do that. They couldn't pay writers, but they could still make reality TV. And I think that that had, depending on one's viewpoint, that was either bad for uh, television or, or, you know, some people like that stuff. But essentially the quality goes down when these strikes happen. Yeah. And now there's one more issue that's kind of just hanging over everything here. You've heard this term a lot lately, but even in this industry, it's AI, right? That's also an issue here. So tell us a little bit about that. Right now, no one's quite sure what AI is going to be like in the future, but it's hovering right there in the air and people know it's going to have an impact. So according to Vox, the Writers Guild in the negotiations so far, they've basically been demanding that a human being is involved with every script. And they've been demanding that every source material that is used to create like a show or a movie must come from a human being. So that's very simple, but it's likely to get more complex in these negotiations. But either way, it's kind of this thing where both sides are going to have to figure out the future without knowing what the future is going to be. Yeah, it's definitely a complicated topic because no one really knows what it's going to look like, obviously. So they're kind of placing bets on both sides. Yeah. But I guess we'll see how this unfolds. Yeah, and it could be a while.
All right, bada bang, bada boom. That's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Artwig. Our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, you can sign up at thehustle.co slash email. Hope you have an awesome Wednesday. We'll catch you tomorrow. Hey, everybody. I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work. And it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.